Hello, welcome to the Friday, August 5th, 2022 edition of the Sands and its Storm Center's Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich, and today I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida. Jan today wrote a brief diary about version 2.0 of the Traffic Light Protocol, or TLP as it's sometimes abbreviated. The TLP was defined by first the form for incident response and security teams. It makes it easier to attach guidance how information may be shared. So really important uh, if you are, for example, sharing threat intelligence. The protocol is pretty straightforward. The original defined four different colors from white to red indicating how information may be shared. But as so many things, once it was used more, some issues really became uh, clear uh, with it. One particular issue was the definition of the color amber. Amber information may be shared within a participant's organization, but, well, uh, people had sort of issues with what does it really mean. Uh, organizations these days are often a little bit fluent. Uh, you have, for example, virtual CISOs or other consultants. Are they allowed, if they learn about uh, vulnerability or an indicator of compromise, to share it with their customers? That was a question that often came up. So now we got the version 2.0 of the TLP and it now uses Amber and Amber Strict. Where Amber Strict basically means no, you can not share the information if you are providing security services for the recipient. So this will also include vendors, for example, that may want to share that information, not just sort of one person consultants and the like. In version one of the TLP, we also had uh, white as sort of the lowest color. Uh, that's now clear. And in the past, I sometimes found that people didn't quite sort of understand the difference between clear and green. Green means you can share it within the larger information security community, uh, which of course is uh, pretty much uh, public at that point, but you're not actually allowed to post it, for example, on a web page. So not really outside of that community uh, and make it sort of all public. I, for example, in a couple instances seen where the FBI on its website did post bulletins about some new threat and they labeled it with TLP green, which of course means I can't really mention it on this podcast. But uh, well, uh, this podcast will be and always has been TLP clear. So uh, whatever you hear here, you may of course share with anybody. Cloudflare recently released a new service as a beta preview offering that allows you to route emails. The idea is a bit to do what they already are doing with HTTP requests, but now extend the service to email protocols. You're able to define various email addresses within Cloudflare's interface and ask Cloudflare to forward them for you to other email addresses that you define. Luckily, uh, bug hunter Albert Peterson gained access and reported critical bugs in the service to Cloudflare before it made it live for the public. 
Now, first of all, Albert didn't have an invite for the private beta, but it turned out all you needed to know is a little bit of JSON that came back uh, if you were signed up to the service. It's very uh, similar to these vulnerabilities where just because as a normal user, you don't see a button that an administrator has, well, uh, you can still access it if you know the URL the button links to. So one of those direct object references or how uh, they're called. And now this vulnerability, not really a big deal if you think about it, because eventually, of course, it's going to be a public service for everybody. And this was really just something they sort of hit from normal users during that beta phase. The second issue is more severe. So Cloudflare, once a domain signs up for that service, will become that domain's mail server. And at that point, Cloudflare is responsible for redirecting the email. And a user managing a particular domain needs to prove that they actually own the domain, just like for Cloudflare's other services. The trick here was that this check was done somewhat sloppy and all you needed really to have was a pending domain. So you didn't have to actually complete the uh verification that you own the domain in order to use the domain in Cloudflare's email relay service. And with this, you could essentially hijack any other domain that was already validated within Cloudflare. All these issues have been fixed, actually have been fixed quite a while ago. Albert just now made the blog public uh, where he describes these vulnerabilities. And good old R-Sync uh, may not be used as much as it used to be, but it's still a popular option. I still occasionally use it, trying to sync files uh, between servers, particularly if you have some larger files. Uh, be aware, an arbitrary file write vulnerability was patched in the tool. Yes, yet another 30-plus-year-old tool that has a pretty interesting vulnerability. If you sync files with a remote server, the server may overwrite arbitrary files on the local system as long as the user who runs rsync has permission to do so. This would, as the advisory points out, be used uh, to overwrite security-relevant files, like, for example, your SSH-authorized keys file, and patches should be available, so just update it on your system as uh, updated packages become available. And Synopsys published an advisory regarding a privilege escalation vulnerability in Kaspersky's VPN client. These types of vulnerabilities are actually kind of common with VPN clients because they often have to execute privilege operations in order to reconfigure network interfaces. OpenVPN, as an example, even has sort of a configuration feature where you can allow a user to run arbitrary scripts after a connection is established. Of course, that's sort of a built-in privilege escalation feature, but uh, you may, of course, turn that off. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you have a minute, uh, give me a good review in your favorite podcast platform. Thanks and talk to you again on Monday. Bye.